I'm so glad that Matt called me. Um, I have known Matt uh, since he was, well, he still is a young man, isn't he? So uh, I, I've known Matt before he was a young man. How's that? Uh, when he was really, really, really young. Um, and uh, so it was really exciting to uh, uh, have him ask me to, to come up. I am, am retired now and live down in Lynchburg, Virginia. And so it's kind of nice to come back up and see familiar faces. Not so great to come up and see traffic, um, but nice to see familiar faces. Uh, Matt said that you guys were, were doing a series in the, on the I Am uh, sayings of Jesus. And so I chose for my text um, John 14, uh, the 14th chapter of John. Uh, if you've been to many funerals, you probably hear it at um, every other funeral you go to because it has that famous passage of, in my Father's house are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. But that's not all it says. So um, it starts off, Jesus says, um, and just want you to know that this is the night, this is the Last Supper, this is the, the upper room, this is the night before Jesus goes to the cross. And you just got to think that in that last night Jesus is spending with his disciples, he's got to be telling them important stuff. What would you be telling people, what would you be telling your family if you knew these were your last moments with them? So this is what Jesus says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Powerful words from Jesus. I am. 
I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Every year when I did confirmation classes, um, uh, you kind of fall into routines, kind of fall into uh, traditions. And every year when I had a confirmation class, uh, I would always get them uh, to have one, at least one homework assignment. Uh, and I would ask them to look through scripture and find for me a description of what Jesus looks like. And they would diligently take their Bibles and, and search through trying to find a, a description of what Jesus looks like. Well, guess what? There isn't a description in scripture of what Jesus looks like. Do you find that astounding? Because we spend so much time caring about what we look like and about what others look like. And, and sadly, it, you know, I'm sure you've seen all the, all the segments that they've done on television showing us that we treat people nicer who look better then we treat people who don't look quite as nice. It's just kind of the way we're made up. And sadly, we live in a pretty superficial world, don't we? Uh, where, you know, everybody has to have the right hair. You have the right hair. Just, just letting you know, you have the right hair. <laughs> where you have to... You have the best hairstyle of all. Really like the, uh, like the, the. <laughs> it's kind of like looking in a mirror there. I really like that. We, we live in a world where everything is so, so superficial. It's all, all what people look like. Scripture doesn't care what Jesus looks like. We might. But the folks who wrote scripture did not care at all. They what they thought was far more important was to tell you who Jesus is, not what Jesus looks like. And so there are tons of I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the open door. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am. And with every I am statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. With every I am statement, an early hearer would have heard, I am that I am. The name of God. That name that is above all names that name that would link Jesus to the Father, that name that God gave to Moses. I think it's probably better, uh, we often translate it, I am that I am, the great I am. Um, not to burst your bubble, but I think it's better translated, I will be whatever I will be. Um, God telling Moses, I'm whatever I want to be, thank you very much. Um, I always like God with a little attitude. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe it matches me. So Jesus says, I am the way. 
What does that mean, I am the way? When I was uh, uh, a very young man, I was in children ministry and uh, was working overseas. Uh, um, and they taught me this wonderful song, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that's what Jesus says. I am the way, the truth, and the life, that's what Jesus says. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus says. Makes a great sermon, just by the way. And so you're going to get it today. Without the way, there is no going. If you don't know the way, you're not going to get there. Do you hear, Thomas? Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know where you're going to get there? Uh, the truth is, Thomas probably knew a lot more than he wanted to know, but didn't want to admit it and didn't want to go there. Certainly didn't want to go through the cross to get there. Certainly didn't want Jesus to go through the cross to get there, which is kind of where we are, isn't it? We know what the way of Christ is. And as wonderful as it is, the way is often fraught with aggravation and suffering, isn't it? You know, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that God magically makes everything right in your life. And the way is easy. Or did I miss it? And you guys are all having the easy way. And, um, and, and, it, and it's a big joke on me. No? Okay. Um, you know, because Jesus says it's, it's hard for me. It's going to be hard for you. Even worse, you know. Not everybody's going to jump up and down and go, Oh, great. You're following the way. We're so glad. Let me, let me help you. No. Doesn't work that way. I was on a cross-country trip uh, with my oldest son, Chad, to uh, take him back to California when he was in the Marines. And, uh, <laughs> and there were moments when I wondered if we knew the way or if that way was ever going to get us there. Because, like, can you see that that road just keeps on going? And when you're driving a rental truck, pulling a trailer with um, uh, a Jeep Cherokee on it, that makes your truck and trailer together the length of an 18-wheeler, um, <laughs> helping your son to move. And even though you're having a great time singing stupid songs, telling funny stories, it begins to feel like you are never going to get there, uh, especially when four of the wheels on your trailer uh, have three flat tires along the way. Uh, it's kind of the feels like a Groundhog Day experience where you go through the same day again and again and again and you are never breaking out of it without the way. Jesus is the way. If you are not on the way with Jesus, if you are not letting him guide you, what that means is you're really not going anywhere. As my high school band director used to say, you're spinning your wheels. <laughs> You're going through lots of motion, but not much is happening. You're spending lots of energy, but it's pretty much frustrating. That happens a lot in the world. And usually it happens a lot to bring us to Jesus, where, you know, you're trying a lot of stuff, but it's just not hitting the mark. 
they're trying a lot of stuff, but it's just not filling the void. And it's when you find Jesus that you recognize you've got the real deal, that it's the real thing. And how do you find, how do you know that way of Jesus? You know, you got to be listening. You got to be letting him speak to you. You got to be letting him guide you. You've got to be trusting that he is working in all things, not just some things. Uh, that he is, he is moving with you through life. You know, I'm not saying that God scripts it all for you, but I am saying I'm a firm believer in in all things God works for good. Not just the good things, even the bad things, even the things that God doesn't like, God is working in them, even your stupidity, even my stupidity, that's even bigger, just by the way. My last name is Clever, but <laughs> there's a there can be a lot of stupid that goes along with clever. It means I can do it in kind of cute and uh, witty ways, but it's still stupid. <laughs> that Jesus takes us on that way, that way of growing in him, that way of having a life that begins to transcend more than just what you see around you, uh, that way of, of having a heart that develops to, to care more about others, that way of beginning to sense that it, it's not all about you. I mean, I'll tell you, it's not all about you because, of course, it's all about me. Uh, I'm an only child, and every only child kind of grows up thinking, it's all about me. You, the whole world is about me. So, so I, I'll be the first to tell you, it can't be about you because it, it's got to be about me. And I learned long ago that it's really not about me. It's really about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. And when you make it about Jesus then you begin to see how important others are. You begin to see how much caring counts. You begin to see how much love makes a difference. You begin to see how much lives can change. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way to all that. I'm not just the way to heaven, although Jesus is that. I am not just the way to salvation, although Jesus is that. I am not just the way to forgiveness, although Jesus is that, I am the way for you to come to me. Not me, Jesus. I am the way for you to have that relationship with God. You know what the Gospel of John says that work is? What, what is God's will for your life? What is God's work for you? To believe. To believe and have that relationship. Jesus is the way to that. And he says, not just I am the way, I am the truth. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Um, on a mission trip one time, I was in Russia and had the honor of going to this um, old believers church. And isn't that funny? I don't know what it is in Russian, but that's the way they translated it into English, the old believers church. And at the old believers church, they did everything the old way. And, um, and scripture and the service itself was in Old Russian, which would be like for us going to a, a church service in Latin. Um, nobody understands Old Russian anymore. Um, and they gave us the honor of seeing their Bible and bringing it out and showing it to us. 
And, and I thought that was really terrific. And, but the cynic in the back of my brain said, I wonder if they know what it says. And it kind of took me back to my childhood because um, as a kid, my mother taught me that the Bible was holy. So she taught me things like, you should not set another book on top of the Bible because the Bible's holy. And you shouldn't write in your Bible because the Bible's holy. Don't tell her that I write all over my Bible and it's highlighted like crazy and um, because that's important to me. Um, but anyway, it, she taught, taught me all these things about you know, how the Bible is holy. But what I learned later in life is that the holy part of the Bible is what it says to you when you read it. Not just the, the object itself. It's not like, you know, it's, it's a magic object. It's a holy book that informs your life. It is the truth. It is the truth of who Jesus is. It is the truth of who you are. Even more, it is the truth of who you can be and how God wants to love you as you are and take you into that person that God has called you to be in life. In the Great Depression, there was a woman who came to uh, her um, insurance representative. And, and she came with great apologies. And she said, you know, um, I, I, I've been, I'm struggling. Uh, it's really, really hard. I'm wanting to know if... Uh, if I can stop making payments on this policy for a month or two because I'm, uh, I'm really, really having trouble um, financially. And, and the representative was initially pretty rude to her until he looked at the policy and realized it was a $300,000 policy. And then she began to say, and you know, yeah, things have just been really rough since my husband died. And the man said, when, when did your husband die? And she said, three years ago. For three years, she had been a wealthy woman. A grieving widow, yes, but a wealthy woman. The truth was that she had all kinds of resources right at her fingertips. The truth was that she did not need to live in poverty. The truth was that she had $300,000, but she was missing it. The truth is that we have Jesus even closer than our fingertips. The truth is that we are a child of the King. The truth is that we are loved, that we are forgiven, that we are called, that we are claimed that we have good news to share with others. But we don't always realize it, do we? And we move around with long faces and we move around as if our lives are empty. How sinful is that? How pitiful is that? When the truth is right there and when that truth comes into us, we see the world completely differently, don't we? 
Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Without the life, there is no living. This is uh, the wedding of my oldest son, Chad. Um, a glorious event, which my um, son and, and favorite daughter-in-law, um, of course, she's the only one I've got right now, but my favorite daughter-in-law, um, uh, decided that they needed to pay for themselves. Um, and so, you know, it was the magical uh, wedding on the beach with perfect dresses and, you know, all that good stuff. And it really was wonderful. Um, although I, I, I've done, I don't know, 500 weddings. Um, and after you do a bunch of weddings, uh, if you didn't know it before, you know after that the perfect wedding doesn't make the perfect marriage and the perfect wedding doesn't make a perfect life and that weddings and life are two different things. Uh, did you know, um, and, and my kids had a great wedding. I enjoyed every minute of it. It was tons of fun. And I think they have a great marriage, so I'm tickled to death. And they have a dog, which gives me great hope that they may have a baby one day. Um, maybe before I die, which would be even better um, that I could see a grandchild. That, that, would be that would be life for me. That would be really good. Um, did you know that in America, we spend more money than any other nation in the world on weddings? Does that shock you? Um, do you want to know what the average cost of a wedding in America is now? The average cost of a wedding in America is now one quarter of what most people spend on a home. How's that? That's kind of scary, isn't it? You know, I remember when $10,000 would get you the wedding of your grandest dream. And uh, yeah, anyway, I could say a lot more about that, but well, we don't need to do that because that's not what the sermon is about. What the sermon is about is all the things that we think are life but aren't. We think the fancy show is life. It's not life. We think the princess moment is life. That's not life. We think the glittering star on the screen is life. That's not life. Life is not airbrushed. Life is not <gasps> sucked in, tucked in. Um, life is not having your lips done or... Uh, or anything else done. <laughs> life is not being young forever. Um, life is far richer than that. Life has depth. Life is going through the valleys of sorrow as well as moments of joy and understanding that they are both rich and understanding that you can survive them both because it takes some strength to survive both. The happiest moments in my life sometimes have been the ones that have been most fraught with pitfalls, and the sorrowful moments in my life have been the ones where I was clinging to God the most closely. Uh, I don't know about you, but that's kind of, a, kind of the way that goes. And, and again, we come back to that, you know, do you understand the life that you have, the rich life that God offers, and, and are you trading it for something else? Are you trading it for something that looks good but has no substance beneath it? You know, because I finally figured out that the life that we have in Christ 
is going to work for me when I am old, just like it worked for me when I am young. It's going to work for me when my body doesn't work anymore, just like it did when all of my parts were functioning the way they were supposed to. You know, it, it worked for me when I had hair, and it works for me when I don't. You know, it's like Paul says, I have learned to be content in all things. It wasn't just that Paul learned to accept whatever was going on around him. It was that Paul learned that with Jesus, it didn't matter what was going on around him because with Jesus, he had the most important thing to begin with. He had a life that was, that was really living, really living is living in Christ, really living is loving Jesus, really living is taking that love and loving others, really living is making a difference, really living is not looking like the rest of the world around us. You know, uh, there was a woman went on a cruise, she saved up her money and um, she got enough money together, but then she realized that, oh no, you know, I spent almost all my money on my cruise ticket. I'm not gonna have any money for food, but you know what? Not a problem. I'm gonna take packages of nabs, um, peanut butter crackers for those of you who don't speak old uh, um, 1960 language. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna bring packages of crackers and stuff, and, but on the last night, I'm gonna go to the dining room and I'm gonna treat myself. So on the last night of her cruise, she went to the dining room and had this wonderful meal and and she called the waiter over and said okay i'll have the check and the waiter said you paid for it when you bought your ticket all the food is paid for on the cruise she'd been spending her whole cruise eating crackers in the cabin when she could have been feasting on all this food that was already paid for are you spending your life eating crackers when Jesus has paid for the feast? When Jesus has given you life, life can, that can be free of that baggage of sin, a life that, that doesn't burden you down but lifts you up and helps you to be part of him, a life that spreads from you to somebody else that, that is contagious, life that that makes a difference, um, life that is, that is so rich and wondrous that it cannot be contained in the space of your heart, but is going to move right all around you. Are you living that way? Is that what's working in your life? Living in Jesus. Because when you're living in Jesus, others notice it. Do, do you recognize Jim? <laughs> you know, when I first met Jim, I thought he was a quiet guy. <laughs> you know, and I thought he was pretty regular. And, you know, I kind of thought he was normal. And then we had vacation Bible school, and I saw this Jim. Whoop! And he was there. <laughs> And then I knew there was something special in Jim. You know, are people looking at you and seeing Jesus? Or 
are they looking at you and seeing what they see in anybody else around you? Are they looking at you and seeing somebody dragged down, no answers, no purpose, no hope, no life, no truth, no way? Or are they seeing in you the light of Christ? You don't have to have all the answers. That doesn't matter. All you have to do is to be able to handle the fact that there are questions. That's what Jesus helps us do. And you don't even have to do it perfectly. When other people see the fact that you are not on your own and that there is someone in your life who lifts you up, Jesus, they know there is a difference in you. Are you living so that Jesus can be seen in you? Because when he says, I'm the way and the truth and the life, that's what he means. When Thomas says, we don't know the way, Jesus says, I'm it. When Philip says, well, show us the Father, that's what we're looking for. Jesus says, hello, look at me. Can somebody look at you and see Jesus too? I'm praying so. Because if you'll live in him, it will change people around you. And if you can change one person, if you can let Jesus work in you to change at least one, it will change the world. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. You are a wondrous gift. And we love you. We thank you that we can pray. We thank you that when we pray, you listen. We thank you that you were listening before we started because you wanted us to pray. In fact, we thank you that you wanted us. That you love us enough to call us to you. So, Lord, we come. We come praying for this church and praying for each other. But, Lord, we don't stop there. We come praying for everyone who is seeking you today. We pray for those who are delivering messages, those who are working with children, those who are leading groups, those who are teaching your word. We pray for those who are alone and struggling we pray for those who are desperate and looking we pray for those who don't know what tomorrow is going to bring who don't know where the money that they need is coming from who don't know where the food is coming from either we pray for those who don't know how they're going to make it through the relationship that they're in or how to discover love again because they've given up. We pray for those who are struggling with health and with life in general. We pray your healing touch. We pray especially for those who it seems like one thing upon another has been piled on top of them and it's more than they can take. 
we pray, Lord, that you give them hope and healing, that you give them life. We pray for our world, for all that's being sold to it, for all the false gods, for all the silliness, for all the hate. We pray, Lord, that you'll shine the light of your love and expose all the falseness. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders. We pray for those who are running for office. You are the great God. And your word says that no one makes it into leadership unless you allow it. So here's our prayer, Lord. That you would put the right people in place, that you would work through them. But we go one step further. What we pray, Lord, is that you'll work through them or you'll work in spite of them. Either one will do. We pray that as you did with great kings of old, you'll use each leader, whether they know it or not, to do your will. Lord, we ask that you would do your will in our lives as well. Help us to see who you are and let it show us who we are and help it to help us live for you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.